We love to get excited for the word because it is only the word of God that can change our life. Amen. It's not the pastor's opinion. It's not uh, his funny stories or his family stories. It's just the word of God that is life changing. And I am excited today to continue our series on the satisfied soul. How many of you have been here the last two weeks? We're on part three. Okay, good. Or you've caught it online. Maybe you've caught us online. You've been with us. Awesome. Well, today is part three of the satisfied soul. And I want to talk to you about generosity. Generosity. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look generous today. Now, when they say that, you got to smile. You can't frown or like what you want. You know, turn to your other neighbor and say, I really mean it. You look generous today. <laughs> and just a key piece of advice for you. People don't judge your generosity based on the amount of advice you give away. They base your generosity on so much more. And we're going to talk about that today. After all, today is a good day to renew my mind, encourage my soul, align with truth, and walk in faith. Thank you, Kayla. Very good. We're going to read our text in Philippians chapter 4. We were in Philippians last week. We're going to be in it again this week for our text. The Apostle Paul is writing from prison. Aren't you grateful that you don't have to send texts from prison? You don't have to send letters, Christmas cards from prison. That's where he is today. And in Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, we're going to start reading. It says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. In other words, you've been worried about me, uh, but you had no opportunity to give. And when you found the opportunity to give, you took it. All right, that's what he's saying. You were concerned for me, but you had no opportunity to give. Not that I am speaking of being in need. I'm not trying to convince you that I have need because I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things. Somebody say all things. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except for you only. It kind of gives me chills when I read that. He's writing to the church in Philippi. He couldn't write this to the church in Corinth. He couldn't write this to any other, the church in Thessalonica. He's writing to the church in Philippi because no one else was able to partner except them. They had a part to play in the mission of Paul. And so that just kind of gives me goosebumps. No church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. 
Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. (laughs) I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied. Picture him again in the dungeon, in prison. I am well supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. (sighs) And my God, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And that's our text for today. Father, we thank you. God, I think every time I preach, that text is the most moving text of the word. Your your word is just so alive. I ask that it would move in this room, that it would transform our thinking, it would encourage our souls today, God, that we would wrestle with this idea of satisfaction and, and come to a conclusion. Let it be settled. Let the matter be established with your word today. In Jesus' name I pray, let the church say amen. Before you sit down, we got a high five, hug, blow air kisses, whatever it is you want to do. If you're watching online, do a fist bump and tell the person next to you something positive and good and say you're glad that they're here today. many are ready for point number one? Point number one, we're just going to get right into my points today. Number one, learn to be content. Write it down, tweet it, whatever, or exit. I don't know what you do now. Do something with it. Learn to be content. Verse 11 says, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am, to be content. Paul learned to be content. Content, the word content means satisfied. We've been talking about satisfaction. We've been talking about satisfaction. And the, the Apostle Paul is telling us that you can actually learn to be satisfied. It's not just dependent on the weather. It's not dependent on the bank account. You can learn to be satisfied. Contentment means satisfied. By the way, contentment is not complacency. Contentment isn't being lazy. Contentment isn't just eating the Snickers instead of making dinner and watching Netflix for four hours because I'm good. Contentment does not mean that we don't have to have goals or we don't have to have ambition and drive. Contentment doesn't mean that you don't have to be the first one at work in the morning. Wouldn't that be amazing 
if every Christian in America showed up to work before their boss? Wouldn't that be awesome? What a witness we would have. Now, if the boss is a Christian, it gets a little tricky. Who's going to beat who? And then they're sleeping and camping in the parking lot. I don't know where it stops, but uh, I think a spirit of excellence on a Christian says a lot to the world. Rather than Christians, I can't get off notes right now. I need to stick to my notes. Too many Christians try to use the favor and blessing of God as an excuse to not do their diligence. Being lazy and careless, not being diligent, is not the blessing and favor of God. And it's actually not contentment either. It's just delayed suffering. Somebody needs to write that. It's delayed suffering. When we don't do today what needs to be done, because it's just easier to Netflix and chill, can I say that? It's just easier. We're just delaying the suffering that's eventually going to take place. And by the way, the more it's delayed, the bigger the suffering that's going to take place. Contentment doesn't mean we don't have goals or ambitions in life. What it means, what being satisfied really means today is that we don't have to have more to be happy and live a stress-free life. I don't need more money to have less stress today. I don't need a reliable vehicle to have less stress today. The things around me does not establish the peace that is inside of my heart. When you are a believer in Jesus, your peace is established in him, not in the things that are around you. So when I talk about being satisfied... And content, I'm talking about something that only God can give. And you can learn how to receive it. You can learn how to receive more. It's not a pass or fail class. It's not a, I don't know how to be content, so I never will be. If you don't know how to be content, that's okay. That's your starting, starting point. There, there's a future that God has for you, and you're learning to be content. Here's good news for us all today. Nobody is born with the capacity to be fully content. Ask my grandson, Luca. My granddaughter, River, and son, Micah, fly in tomorrow for a couple of weeks. And we're going to, I'm sure, take her. She's how old now? Three. She has not been born with contentment. No one has been. We're going to take her to a few stores, and there's going to be Christmas stuff all around. And um, even with a toy box that's overflowing, she passes, or your child passes something in the store that they see, and they want more. How, how much do you need? I don't know what the amount is. I just know it's more. She's going to have what I call a unicorn Christmas. Because every gift is a unicorn of some sort. I had to cut my wife off this week. <laughs> she, she called me and she, we were FaceTiming and it was another unicorn item. I mean, everything is a unicorn. A unicorn blanket, a unicorn hat, unicorn dust in the yard. Unicorn, we're taking her to Unicorniverse over here, the bakery. I, I'm, I'm so sick of hearing about unicorns and my wife... FaceTimes me, and she holds up another unicorn something, and she goes, it's, I, I'm done, right, Trey? I'm done. It was a suitcase, a unicorn suitcase. 
It was cute. So I said, get it. <laughs> we'll be done after this. But no more, Carrie, no more. We're not born with contentment, but we do have the capacity to learn it. Contentment is learned. A few ways that I've grown in my contentment, if you, th- this is not um, set in stone as working for you, but it certainly has helped me. I've grown in my contentment by trying to stop comparing myself to other people. Comparing the things that I have, the things that I wear, the way that I look, the size of church that I have, the cars that I drive. Just stop comparing myself to people. Comparing myself to others always leads to discontentment. Always. There's always going to be, you know, if you're rich, there's always someone richer. If you're pretty, there's always somebody prettier. If you're fit, there's someone fitter. If you're er, there's someone er, er. Like, that's just the way that it works. There's always an er, er out there, and it irks me. <laughs> so you got to stop comparing. If you want contentment, just be happy with where you are right now. That doesn't mean you're not driven. It doesn't mean you're not headed somewhere. It doesn't mean you don't have goals. You're going to get there eventually. If you got to compare, compare yourself to the old you. Compare yourself to the you that was in the grave before Jesus called you up out of that thing. Stop comparing. Also, stop being obsessed with having more. It's really easy. As, you know, the stores are really vying for our attention right now. They didn't do so well on Black Friday. I suppose that many of the Big box stores are still in the red for the year. They've not hit black, which is why we call it Black Friday. On that day, they make enough sales to go from the red into the black, hopefully. Um, It was not good. Online sales were great, apparently. But everyone's vying for your dollars. Every unicorn on every shelf is calling your name. Stop wanting More, stop being obsessed with more. In verse 12, Paul said, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. Paul had plenty. You feel like you don't have plenty? Listen, take it from someone who did. Paul knew what it meant to have plenty, and he said it still wasn't enough to be satisfied. The plenty doesn't bring satisfaction. Also, another thing is accept change. If you want to learn to grow in contentment, just accept change. Some of us fight change. Stop fighting it. Life is a series of change. The only thing in life that is absolutely for sure is change. It's like the Texas weather, isn't it? Stick around for a little bit, it will change. That's why we don't film a lot of movies in Texas like they do in California, because in California the weather is more predictable. In Texas, it's not. We, we were going to be the third coast of, of casting and movie production, film and movie production, and they tried. They've tried multiple times to bring, bring film production here. But it's just hard because the weather is so unpredictable. Get used to change, folks. Learn to, learn to pivot. Anyone ever play basketball in high school? No. Me neither. Anyone ever seen basketball on a TV screen? 
We are a sporty church. And they're, you know, they're doing this, dribbling. That's what's called, dribbling, dribbling. We have a basketball group, connect group, that I've not yet gone to because I don't want to make them feel bad, Brian. You know what I'm saying? I love you guys too much to show up. Dribbling. And your opponent's facing you, and what do you, you're like, you pivot, right? Just like that. That's how you do it. Look cool. Did that look cool? Is that all right? In my day, we said, I got juked out. Do y'all still say that? No. I need some water. I'm sorry? Today's group, 3 o'clock. I won't be there. I won't be there. I don't want to juke you out. (laughs) Speaking of juked out, you know who jukes me out? My dog. My new dog, Clover. I've actually, I actually like this dog. I know for years you've thought I've been anti-animal. It's not true. I've just been anti-shedding. Now we have a dog that doesn't shed as much, so I'm coming around a little bit. But Clover, how old is she, baby? Clover is... Nine months. Well, I'm hoping she grows out a puppy soon because she drives me a little bit crazy. And we'll, we'll take her outside and she'll bite something she shouldn't be biting. And I'll have to go out carry, well, just like with kids, Trey, your dog. And it's her dog. And she, but when Clover's doing something bad, she says, it's my dog. And so I go outside to get Clover and she stands there and looks at me. And I'm like, Clover, come. And she stands and looks at me. And I start walking to her like I'm going to be real gentle. And she takes off running. I'm like, as time goes on, I am running through the yard trying to get her. And she's juking me out every time. And then it gets to where she's far away and she will run full force straight at me. And I go to grab her and she'll just dart off to the side. So I got smarter. And I got to where I would stand at the back door. And I would call her from there. And I would have Tristan ring the doorbell. And the doorbell would go off and she would come running in and I would, I would close the door. Well, now she's gotten smarter. I guess it's nine months. They do this at nine months. She's standing there. I open the door, ask her to come in, and she just stands at me like she's, she's going to outstand me because she wants me to come outside to play. I'm like, no, you're coming in to eat. And she's like, no, you're going to come outside and play. And so I decided, Brian, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to juke her out. So I'm standing at the back door. You guys have to know my house. The door looks like this. <laughs> and she's standing right there. And I, I look at her. I stare her down. I don't say anything. I don't act angry or I'm intimidated. And all of a sudden, I take up running into the house like that. And I hide just behind our wall. And she would run in to chase me, and then I'd grab her, bring her in. Oh, you're so sweet. So, so I've learned how to get her inside, inside of the house. Now, when I take off running, she peeks around the corner. <laughs> My point is, 
accept change. Because some of us are so consumed trying to chase around our challenges. It's time you let the challenges chase you. Focus on where you need to be, where you're going, where God has established your footsteps to be. And let the, let the challenges and the problems chase you down. Don't be so consumed and bothered with every little thing that happens and you've got to go and run and fix it. Let the challenges chase you down. Contentment is learned. Learn to be content. I want you to turn to your neighbor or two. How about turn to three neighbors and say, learn to be content. Carrie's dog. <laughs> point number two. You ready for point number two? Be a thrower, not a doer. Be a thrower, not a doer. Philippians 4.13 is probably one of the most famous scriptures of all. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Lean on God's power. Paul knew that he could not depend on people, possessions, popularity, pleasure. If he was going to complete his assignment, he had to depend on God's power and God's provision. The supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. Being satisfied is not about being a doer. It's not about being a mover and a shaker. It's not about making things happen. It's learning to live through the power of the Holy Ghost, being strengthened in power and provision through God. Can I get an amen? Be a thrower, not a doer. God strengthens you. God makes you strong. The word in Greek for strength, is endunamo, endunamo, endunamo. Turn to your neighbor and say, endunamo, endunamo. Come on, somebody, endunamo. That is the Greek word for strength. And some of you feel French right now. Can I have a croissant? Endunamo. Okay, this is the Greek word for strengthen. Do what you can do. Be diligent. Be on time. Clean your car. Iron your clothes. Brush those teeth. Read the word. Spend time in prayer. Speak gently to those you love. Do what you can do. But when you've done all you can do, then and do no more. And do no more. When you've done all you can do, God will strengthen you. Reminds me of Daniel 3. 
the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, refused to bow to the image of the king. Refused to bow. They stood. And because they stood, they got thrown into a furnace. But the moment they were thrown into the furnace, their standing wasn't going to save them. They did all they could do before getting thrown. They stood. They stood faithful on the promises of God. They stood faithful on who they knew God to be. But the moment they found themselves in a place where their own strength couldn't carry them anymore, they stood and do no more. God strengthened them. Ephesians 6.13 says to put on the full armor of God. And when you've done all you can do, stand. God's not going to wake you up out of bed to get to work. Maybe we're all late to work. I don't know why I'm harping on work today, but receive it. God's not going to set your alarm for you. He's not going to send an angel to wake you up. He's not going to tell you to not put Christmas gifts on credit cards. He expects you to walk in wisdom. But when you've done all that you can do, when you've been diligent, when you've walked in wisdom, when you've been loyal to the precepts of God, then you untie his hands to do everything that he's been wanting to do in your life. Be a thrower, not a doer. Be a thrower, not a doer. And now we get to point number three, if you'll excuse me. I only have 15 points today, so it won't take long. Point number three, live generously. Live generously. Paul thanks the the Philippians for their financial support, and he wants them to know they can expect dividends on their investment into his ministry. Verse 17, if you look back at verse 17, it says, Not that I seek the gift. Not that I seek your money, not that I seek your offering, not that I seek the money or the the food or the time, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Paul is seeking the profit that increases to their account. He's not worried about the mission. God's going to take care of the mission. If God doesn't take care of the mission, then God has said the mission is done. Are you with me? Paul isn't worried about the mission. He's wanting people to give because he understands it credits. It's a credit to their account. Your investment in kingdom is an inheritance that you're building for you and your children and your children's children. When we encourage you to give at the Exchange Church, we aren't trying to get something from you. We're trying to get something to you. And we we cast a good vision because we tell you where the money's going and who we're supporting and the things that we're getting to do. But when you give, you don't give to the church. You give through the church. 
You're giving to God through the church that we're living this through life today. Giving to God through the church, but we're investing in the kingdom. The, the truth is, the exchange church cannot minister to the community without your generosity. I mean, if, if the world only needed hugs, absolutely. Let's stop paying $24,000 in rent. Let's stop paying $1,500 in, in electricity. Let's shut down the lights and the AC and the, and the heat. And let's just go out and just hug every person that we see. If that's all that they need is a hug. But, but I happen to believe that the church, the local church, is still God's plan A for the world. I believe that this is a, a place where people can come and belong and, and use the gifts and find out who God is. Should you be hugging people in the world? If you're a Christian, you better be. But there's a place for the church. There's a place for the corporate body to come together and to worship and encounter the presence of God together. The exchange church can't reach the community without your generosity. Right now, 2023, 20, we're, we're reaching all the way to Romania. That's credit to your account in heaven. We're reaching Haiti. That's credit to your account. We're helping women in Round Rock at the pregnancy center who are deciding what they're going to do with a child that they're, they're caught off guard about. They didn't expect it. They didn't see it coming well, we're going to be the church and help be the answer that God intended the church to be. That's credit to your account. A21 campaign, every single month we're sending money to Christine Kane and her organization. And literally thousands of women, men, girls, and boys are being rescued from the streets and sex trafficking. And they are being rehabilitated, not just sent into hiding. We are helping integrate them back into a healthy whole life. And that is credit to your account. And if it's hard to envision any of that, let me just take it a step further. Live stream doesn't happen unless this church is generous. So everyone watching on live stream today or watching this video played back months from now, it will have, by the life of this sermon, it will have hundreds of views all around the world. Your generosity makes that happen, and that is credit to your account. The electricity at the Exchange Church, the AC, the heat, is credit to your account. Every time we hear that very loud machine kick on, there should just be something inside of you that says, thank you, God, that I get to be a part of that. That I get to invest in someone's eternity by providing an atmosphere cool enough or warm enough for them to say yes to Jesus in this moment. Paul looked on their investment as something that would pay them rich spiritual dividends. And the church entered, it says they were the only church. They entered into a giving and receiving agreement. In other words, they gave materially to Paul and God gave spiritually to them. Some of us need to be reminded today that the Lord keeps the books. And he will never fail to pay one spiritual dividend to any person who invests. God never fails to pay one spiritual dividend to any person who invests in his work on planet earth. 
Verse 17 says, To your credit, to your credit. Credit, the word for that is account. So everything that you invest in, it's to your credit. It's to your account. It's an accounting term, actually, that communicates interest is being accrued. That means you give a dollar into the kingdom, you're not just getting a dollar's worth of blessing back. Interest is being accrued. And God is going to make sure that when he returns it to you, that it has been amplified, magnified. The Bible says, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be poured into your lap. Proverbs 11.25 says, The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. When life seems to be getting crazy for you, when you feel overwhelmed, Carrie and I, this is our motto in life. When we feel blah, and it happens, happens to every one of us, when we just feel like our spiritual life or our emotional life or our relational life, whatever, when we feel like we've flatlined, we purpose in our heart to bless someone else, to get our eyes off of our own situation and find someone else that can be blessed. Because Proverbs 11 says, he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And I'm thirsty, and I'm trying to look for water and quench the thirst that I have. And in all of my cups that I down and I try to quench my own thirst, I forget that it's not in me drinking that quenches the thirst. It's in me giving you water that quenches the thirst. Because when I refresh you, God makes sure that I'm refreshed. Remember the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 6. I said it a moment ago. Jesus said, give, and it will be given back to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For what measure you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus said that. It's in red in your Bible. That means you can take that to the bank. You give, and it's going to be given back to you. A good measure. Pressed down, shaken together. Running over will be poured into your lap. For what measure you use, it will also be measured to you. When I was growing up, my parents and my church used to say, you can't outgive God. Do you remember that? Anyone? You can't outgive God. Oh, you can't outgive God. You give, and God gives to you. But, but listen, he doesn't just give you what you gave. Here's what the scripture says. It says, he measures it. When it's given, it will be given back to you. A good measure. That means a fair scale. God's going to take what you've given, and he's going to weigh it on the scale. It's going to be a good measure. A fair scale. And when God sees what you have given, what you have invested, what you have sown, a good measure, then he's going to take that, and he's going to put that, that in the pot spiritual blessing, financial blessing, relational, emotional, whatever it is that God wants to bless you with, he's going to match it dollar for dollar in the beginning. He's going to take a good measure and he's going to give you that much blessing. 
But then he's going to take his big old hand, Stefan, and he's going to push it down. <clears throat> and he's going to shake the basket, let it settle. Okay, dump truck, bring in more blessings, fill it up. And he fills up the basket. He walks over, he takes his hand, pushes it down, shakes the basket. Oh, there's still more blessing that can fit. Come on, come on, grab the shovels. Yep, let's fill it up. Let's fill it up. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together. And God won't just do it level with the basket. He's going to let it run over. And then he's going to have angels delivering it to you like this. Dollars flying in the wind, healing flying in the wind. He comes up to your lap and dumps it over. And you're neck high in what started with a good measure. And this is why some people who, who don't really even tithe or give get blessed by God because God doesn't match your dollar for dollar. It's not a 401k equal match. You give a little bit because that's just where your faith is, little for you. And you put it there and God says, it's okay. I'm going to meet them where their faith is at. I'm going to prove I'm going to prove who I am. I'm going to take that little bit. I'm going to drop it in. I'm going to tap it down. Shake it. And I'm still going to call him a dump truck. And you're still going to find yourself with raises and new jobs and healing and blessing and favor and increase. Not because you gave a huge amount, but God just started with a good measure. All it took was a, a seed of faith, mustard seed of faith. You started to give, and then you know what happens? God begins to prove himself. And you see that I can't outgive God, and so I, that little bit becomes more. And he pushes it down, and he shakes it, and he, he calls the dump truck. Not because you're so awesome, but because he's faithful. And he will prove himself over and over and over again. Maybe you've heard of J.C. Penney. The man, not the store. The man who created the store. J.C. Penney was a, a man of God. He believed in tithing. Tithed 10%, was raised in it, brought up parents. You need to teach your kids to tithe before they even have an allowance because then it just becomes something that's automatic the obedience is automatic and then they can just grow and be stretched in in the faith part of offering that's above what already belongs to god jc penny was raised in tithing by the end of his life it's rumored that he tithed 90 percent and lived on the 10 percent. man i want that to be my story Point four, let God meet your need. Let God meet 
your need. When we live generously, God will not forget your need. That's why Paul writes in Philippians 4, 19, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Are you glad that God doesn't meet all of our needs based on our own bank account? (laughs) He doesn't meet all of our needs based on our own connections, our own education, our own ability. He meets our needs based on his riches in glory. A wise teacher once brought balloons to school and told her students to blow them up, write their name on the balloons, blow them up. And she took maybe 40 students out into the hall and they all got in the hall and she said, okay, your name is on the balloon. You've blown up the balloon. Now I want you to just throw it to the ground. She had all the students throw their balloons to the ground in a crowded hallway. And then the teacher went through and just walked through them all and, and mixed them all up, got them all, all mixed up. And she said, now I'm going to give everybody five minutes to find the balloon with your name on it. Ready? Go. And the students are looking at all the balloons and they're like, no, 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 no. That's not me. That's... Not me. And the five minutes went by and no student could find the balloon that had their name written on the balloon. And the teacher said, okay, stop, stop, wait, wait. Now I want everyone to just pick up the balloon that is right next to you. And I want you to give it to the student whose name is written on it. And so they did. They, Stefan and Yaya, here. And this is uh, T and G Hart, uh, Troy and Janelle here. MK, that must be Mark and Kathy. And the students now are all holding their own balloon. And these balloons are like joy. Joy. We won't find it when we are only searching for our own. But if we care about someone else's joy, It will ultimately help us find ours. Refresh others, and you will be refreshed. I've asked you today to come prepared for the special Christmas offering. I just need some oxygen for one second. This is not our legacy offering. Our legacy offering is in three months. That's our one-time sacrificial big give. So you can prepare your heart and your treasure for that on March 3rd. Today is 
just a special Christmas offering above our tithe. This is the time, the season where we celebrate the birth of Jesus and think back to the Magi who brought gifts to the King. My hope today is that maybe one of you, two of you, three of you would latch on to this concept of tithing. Not because I want anything from you, but I want to get something to you today. I want to get to you the concept of a God who does a good measure, who presses down, shakes together. And there's no better time to begin that journey of tithing than today at the special Christmas offering. Christmas of 2023, I started tithing. What a testimony. Maybe you've already been tithing and you're like, you know what? It's, it's a season of giving. I want to just give a special offering. I want to give the Lord something. I, I don't want to buy more gifts. <laughs> I don't want to buy more unicorns than I want to give to my Lord today. So you just want to give a special Christmas offering. Maybe, maybe your faith is not at a place where you're ready to tithe the, the 10%. You're not ready to take that journey or that challenge. I just want you to purpose in your heart whatever it is that God wants you to give. Today, we're just bringing our best. Not necessarily sacrificial. We're just giving the Lord an offering on Christmas because I feel like it's appropriate and I feel like it's right. And the truth of the matter is, a lot of our church is not giving. If you are a consistent, faithful tither in this church, thank you, you've been carrying us. But we can't, it's not sustainable unless we all decide to make tithing a priority, giving, being faithful in our giving. And so I want to use this moment, Christmas 2023, for us to come together in unity as one body, Believing God in faith and giving our best. When you give today, you can give online at theexchangechurch.org. You can give in the Secure Give app. You can give here in the barrels. No matter how you give, what we like to do as a church family is come up with our family and pray over our gift at the barrels or wherever you're seated if you want, if you prefer that. But I just hope that this moment right now before we give, this moment would be a sacred moment for you that your faith would be enlarged, that you would trust God this morning. Will you bow your head and close your eyes? I'm going to give you a moment to hear from God. If you feel at all in any way that I have somehow attempted or tried to manipulate you into giving today, the best thing you can do is not give. God loves a cheerful giver. The best thing that you can do is to save it for another day when your giving is done with a pure motive. I simply set the stage, prepared the table for your faith to be expanded today. For you to trust God, to take God at his word. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you would speak to our hearts. Every head bowed and eyes closed so that we can hear from heaven. What is it that you want us to give? on this special Christmas offering. If you're watching online, take a moment, remove the distractions, and just listen. Listen to Holy Spirit and ask Him what it is that He wants you to give today. We're going to take 30 seconds to listen.
Father, we come before you today. God, I ask that you would bless the generosity that is in this room. We just declare that fear has no place. In Jesus' name, God, I ask that we could just step into a moment of trusting you. Some of us have grown dull in our capacity to walk in faith. God, I know that for my family, Carrie and I, we, we feel like it's been a while since we've taken a really big step of faith. And so we've been asking and looking for those opportunities. God, I ask that you would let us step into a new season of faith. God, whatever we give today, whatever each individual gives, we just want you to know that it's from our heart to our hand to you. We thank you for sending Jesus Christ in a stable, a baby who is going to change the world. And just as the Magi saw the star from afar, God, we thank you that you sent out a light to us that we, we too could come alive in you. That we could come to where you are, be what you are, be where you are, and experience the presence of you. So God, I ask that you would bless this offering today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let the church say, Amen. Amen. Amen.